I am thankful that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We're thankful for you this morning, Jesus. And I thank you for all of eternity to say thank you. I thank you for all of eternity to worship you, God. Now we say, let your kingdom come and your will be done as we remain in this service and hear your word. Let your anointing be upon me, your servant, God. I come back to weakness. I come back to nothingness. God, I am nothing without you. It is your spirit in me. It is your breath in my lungs. And I ask God that you would help me to feed these sheep who you love so much. I pray that an anointing would be upon them to have open ears so that they might hear the truth and be made free. May we become sons and daughters, priests and kings, everything that the word says that we are and everything that the word says that we can have, we declare it as ours by faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Church, can you say amen? amen. God bless you. We are continuing in a series this week called Your Kingdom Come. We started it on last week, and we were reminded that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, one of the things that he said was, Your kingdom come, your will be done. And we have to remember that this is a, this is a prayer to God, and we're asking for something. Prayer releases the kingdom of God to us. Say this with me. Prayer releases the kingdom of God on earth. That is why the enemy doesn't want you praying. That is why you fall asleep when you pray. That is why it's, it, your mind wanders when you pray. That is why it is born to you to pray. That is why so many few people come to prayer services because the enemy really fights prayer. He needs you not praying so that his kingdom can stand. Man, that is huge. If you're taking notes, write that down. The enemy tries to prevent you from praying so that his kingdom can stand. Because when we pray, the kingdom of God enters the earth and it comes. So they were asking, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be what? Done. Thy will be what? Done. Done. Man, that prayer moves heaven and earth on our behalf. So we say, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God in this earth. We are ministers of reconciliation. We are the sons and daughters of the most high God. And anywhere we don't see the kingdom of God functioning and operating, we have been authorized to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, you need to walk around your house and say that sometimes. When things don't look like the kingdom of God, you can walk around your own home and say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You can do it at your job. You can do it when you drive by a school. You can drive by drug houses. You can just pray that your kingdom come and your will be done. So the king of the kingdom Jesus was anointed to save us and transform us into children of God. So when you look around this room, you're not just looking at people that go to church. If these people that you're looking at have been saved and born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, then they are not just human beings as is. They are those that carry the Spirit of God on the inside of them. And where the Spirit is God, there is liberty and freedom. Church, can you say this with me? I am... Free. free. Praise God. We are free and free indeed because that's what the word of God says. Who the son sets free is free indeed. So we're talking about the kingdom of God and how we've been made to be sons and daughters of the most high God. And because we have righteousness, we have peace. And because we have both righteousness and peace, we can be filled with joy. The kingdom of God is at hand. We have been made citizens and sons. Some might, some might say, when I look around, I can see that everything is not right in my life, so I don't have this joy. But this is only temporary joy. Some might say, I can't see the kingdom of God. Where is it? And we're reminded from last week, Luke 17 through 20 through 21 says this. Now, when Jesus was asked about the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, 
nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Church, can you say this with me? The kingdom of God is within me. I want you to touch yourself. Say me. You are where the kingdom of God is now. You have, say this with me. I have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Wow. See, this world is somehow fascinated with extra, extraterrestrial things. But the real aliens are us. We're the ones that people need to be looking at, but like, wow, you are not of this world, are you? Where'd you get that love from? Where'd you get that peace from? Where'd you get that joy from? And we got it because the kingdom of God is in us. We use our telescopes and we point them away at different galaxies. All they really need to do is look within us because there's a whole kingdom living on the inside of us, and that is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So who brought us this kingdom? His name is Jesus Christ, and he is the anointed one. I said something today that really blessed me from God, and uh, you need to hear it. And I said it while I was praying, but listen to this. Yes, God still loves you when you messed up because he loved you when you were messed up, right? Say this to me. God loves me, God loves me. when I mess up because he loved me when I was messed up. Are y'all rapping to me? All right, I like it. All right, so don't ever let the devil make you feel God loves you less when you sin and mess up, right? Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus now, and sometimes you're going to fall. Sometimes you're going to mess up. But God still loves you even when you mess up because he loved you way back here when you were totally messed up. You weren't thinking anything about God. You were living in sin and you didn't care at all, and he still loved you. He still said, you know what? That's my baby. That's my child. So if he loved you here when you were very messed up, now you've given your life to him and you're trying to live a righteous life. You stumble to the ground and fall. Don't you let the devil tell you that it's over. A righteous man can fall seven times and then rise again. Amen. Say this with me. I, I am yeah. loved. Love. That's got to be at the top of your mind at all times. You've always got to have that at the top of your mind that God loves you. Because that is the beginning of this new life that he has given us. And that is why if you look behind me on those signs that spell life, love is at the top. Because if you don't have God's love at the top, the enemy will tear you to pieces. You will be your worst critic. You will allow the enemy to beat you down. Love is a defense that is all around you. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. So don't you ever allow the enemy to take you outside of God's love and look back at yourself and say, man, God doesn't love me. Look at me. I'm so, I'm so, I'm such a disappointment to God. I just can't get things right. That is a lie. That is a lie. God loves every single one of you, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to prove to you. And Jesus Christ is the anointed one of God who came to make us the sons of God. Jesus came to forgive us of our sins, yes. Jesus came to break off our diseases by all the stripes that were put on him, yes. But even a more eternal purpose is that God came, Jesus came to make you, listen to this, a member of God's family. Come on. See, Adam messed up bad. And the whole Adamic race has been has been. Death has been pronounced over them because they are born into sin. But that is why you must be born again. Say this with me. I must be born again. If this is your first time here, you're probably wondering why you're preaching so much. You say, hey, I came to hear preaching. Why are you making me preach? I say these things so that you can affirm them, so that you can come into agreement with this truth because the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will do what? Make you free. 
Amen? So that is why you have to say it out of your mouth. The Bible says that life and death is where? In the power of your tongue. So that's why this preacher makes you talk so much, because you've got to talk it so that you can have it and so that you can come into agreement with these life-giving scriptures. So Jesus came not only to forgive us of our sins, but he came to, so that we might be adopted into the family of God adopted as his spiritual sons and daughters. Why is that important? Because no flesh will inherit the kingdom of God. As, as we are flesh and blood, this stuff doesn't get to go to the kingdom of God. No flesh inherits the kingdom of God, so you must be reborn as sons and daughters. So he needed to come to earth to set us free, but he needed to have an anointing to do it. He needs to be empowered to do it. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 61. And man, if you thought you could celebrate Jesus before, if you thought Jesus was awesome before, let's listen to his resume in Isaiah. What book of the Bible? Isaiah. This is not the New Testament, right? This is prophecy way back in Isaiah before Jesus would even come out of his mother's womb. There was a prophecy given through Isaiah about the one that we call Jesus Christ, the anointed one. He was empowered to do what he was coming to do. So listen to what the Lord said or listen to what was said of the Lord. Listen to this. The spirit of of the sovereign Lord is upon me. So this is Jesus Christ saying that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. How so? For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So what did you see Jesus doing from town to town? He was bringing good news to the poor. Everyone always pushed the poor away, but Jesus, oh my goodness, he had an anointing to bring the poor to him. They were attracted to him. The, the prostitutes and, and the, the tax collectors, he had an anointing to love them. He had an anointing to, for, them to be, uh, to, for them to be compelled to come close to him. And that same anointing lives in you. Do we understand this? See, I'm not here just talking about the kingdom of God as, that, that exists on the outside of us. Because where is the kingdom of God? Inside. So the same anointing that's on Jesus is on you as well. So listen to this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me. Oh, my goodness. Jesus was sent. Why was he sent? He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Anyone ever been brokenhearted in this room before? Um, we're being told right now that Jesus has an anointing to comfort the brokenhearted. What else did Jesus have an anointing? Church, can you say anointing? An anointing is a divine empowerment to do the, something that God has sent you to do. Man, that's good. An anointing is a divine empowerment that, that rests upon a man that, that he might do that thing in which God has called him to do. So without the anointing, Jesus would not have been empowered to do these things, but he had the anointing. Church, say this with me. He had... The anointing. Don't make me call you out for not repeating after me, because I will. All right, here we go. Repeat after me. He had an anointing. I have an anointing. Let's give God praise for the anointing. Come on. Here's what you have to learn about church. Church is not where you come to learn about God. Church is where you come to know God, right? That you might have a personal relationship with him and that when we dismiss, that you leave out and your anointing has been charged. You leave out and you've been fed the word of God. You've got energy now so that you can go out and do the thing that you were called to do. I'm so glad that they didn't find Jesus all the time at a, at a, at a restaurant, right? We're like, Jesus, like, are you going to do Jesus stuff? Like, you, you, you came to save us. Like, why are you only sitting here? Why are you just sitting down, right? He was, even at the age of 13, he was not like that. Because the, the Bible said that Jesus said to his parents at the age of 13, 
I must be, what? About my father's business. So if I just told you that Jesus Christ has anointed us to be the sons of God, then what must we be about? Our father's business. What must we be about? Come on. I love that you come to church. I'll never discourage you from coming here. But you got to make kingdom impact out there. When you leave these walls, you've got to shake and tear down the devil's kingdom because the kingdom of God lives inside of you and you've been anointed just as Christ has been anointed. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Listen to me, church. There's people out there right now who are living in demonic possession. They don't want to be on drugs. They don't want to be lost, but they have not yet encountered the answer. The answer lives inside of us. Why? Because we carry around, this is so good, we carry around the kingdom of God on the inside of us and we are able We'll say this with me, church. I am able to impart righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Listen, you're not just churchgoers. You're not just people that go to church. Come on. You're the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And just as the things that Jesus was doing when he was on this earth, that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing, too. Not just the pastor, not just the elders, every single one of us. Let's keep this going. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Not will come, but has come. So every single one of you should be saying favor on your lives because the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. Wow, we just had that moment in our worship where we, say, we said, God, I thank you that on this day that all of my enemies are drowning. Now you can see why we can even say that. Because the Lord has come and he has given us this message to tell us that the, the day of God's anger against our enemies has come. Verse 3, to all who mourn Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Listen, church. The Lord has plucked you up out of sin and out of muck and out of darkness, and he has planted you for his own glory. Listen, listen. He has planted you for his own glory. He has planted you for his own glory. Now, if he planted you for his own glory, he's going to care for you, right? Because it's his desire to see much glory come from your life. All right. Let's go on down to verse 10. Hold on. Let me see if I can afford to do that. Nope, I can't afford to do that. All right. We're in verse 3. 4. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. This is talking about you, okay? This is you now. They will revive them. Though they have been deserted for many generations, foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. Say this with me. I am a priest of the Lord, a minister of my God. Do you know that's even in the New Testament? where he calls you ministers of reconciliation, right? So you're in this prophecy. Oh my goodness, this is good news. Thanks for not letting me be lazy, God, and read it all. All right, you will be called the priest of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, uh-oh, you will enjoy a double share of honor. Say this with me, Lord, thank you for the double share. 
come on, you will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Let's come into agreement with that. Say this with me. Everyone will realize that I am a person the Lord has blessed. Come on, this is good news, church. Come on. Verse 10, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring and plants springing up everywhere. So listen to this. The king of the kingdom, he perfects his citizens with his righteousness. So what would that look like on earth? It would look like this. If, if Joe, I'm going to just say Joe Biden. If a president of a country were as good as Jesus, this is what they would do. They would say, look, look, I look good. I eat good. I feel good. I live good. So I want everyone in my kingdom to look like me. I want everyone in my kingdom to have clothes and health care and food and transportation. As good as I live as the king of the kingdom, I want all of my citizens to be just like me. Can we give God praise for that? Some of you, it was hard to say that. Some of you looked at me with such disbelief because you know that there's not a man on this planet in a country on this planet that would ever do that for his citizens. Not only do we have a king that wants us to look like him, but we have a king that was willing to die for his citizens. What king would step up and say, you know what? My, my, my kingdom, they're all guilty of, of, of all the sins in the world, but you know what? I will go on a cross as the king. I will go on the cross as the king and die for my citizens. That's how much I love them. That's the kingdom of God that we've been invited to partake in. And you need to know this, that there's only one level of righteousness. I am not more righteous than any of you, right? Peter Dosett, God rest his soul, and he's been reward, being rewarded right now with uh, the, 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 the things that, that he did for the kingdom of God. But he's not more righteous than any of you. Paul is not more righteous than any of you. Uh, Mother Teresa is not more righteous than any of you. And let me tell you why. There's only one level of righteousness, Righteousness is not on a scale of zero to 10. Righteousness is only at a 10, and righteousness is shared from Jesus Christ himself. So you are either a sinner or you are, you are as righteous as Jesus Christ. Come on, because he shared with us his righteousness. How is righteousness obtained? You see, it's, it's hard for you to comprehend what I'm saying if you have a works-based mind. If your mind thinks, well, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to be like this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, then I'll be righteous. Nope, that's not what the king said. The king said that only, all we have to do is believe on him, right? And righteousness comes by what? It starts with an F, faith. Righteousness comes how? By faith. And there's only one level of righteousness. I pray to God that you're not using your faith to be as righteous as T.D. Jakes. I pray to God you're not using your faith to be as righteous as Joyce Meyer. No, righteousness is way up here and it belongs to Jesus. And everyone that believes on him, his righteousness has been imparted to you. Why is that important? Because one day you'll stand in front of the throne of God and you've got nothing if you don't have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You've got nothing if you have been washed in the blood of Jesus. There's nothing that you can do to equal the blood of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. So say this with me. There is one level 
of righteousness. And it belongs to the king. And he died to give it to his citizens. Let's give God praise for that. Hallelujah! Whoa! Do you know how I know that I'm telling the truth? Because I read it in the Bible. He said that we're not just heirs, but joint heirs, right? If you're a joint heir, that means that whatever he has is yours as well. You need to be thanking God that you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ that he has imparted to you as a gift. As a gift, right? You can't earn it. We got to get out of this law mind. The law says I got to do this right, and I got to do this right, and I got to do this right, where grace just says you just have to believe. You just have to believe on Jesus Christ that he forgives you of all of your sins and he brings you into his righteousness so that when you stand before the throne of God, God sees Jesus in you, right? Say this with me again. There is only one level of righteousness. Come on, man, that feels good. I'll tell you why it feels good. Because sometimes I sin. And sometimes I fall down. And when I ask God to forgive me, he doesn't say, okay, your righteousness is now a six because you messed up. No. He says, come on back. Come on back. You're just as righteous as me again, right? There's no lower level of righteousness. We've got to free our minds from this. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would free your people from works-based righteousness, God. We think that we've got to get it right in and of ourselves so that we could be graded righteous, God. But Jesus has become our righteousness. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you that none of us walk in condemnation because there's only one level of righteousness for we are either holy or unholy. We are either in the light or we in darkness. There is no fence. There is no in-between. There is no lukewarmness, God. You said I would rather you be hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. May we make a decision today to say, I will serve the Lord. I will be imparted with the righteousness of Jesus Christ that he died to give me. My righteousness is a 10, and it will always be a 10 because he, his is a 10. And we declare this right now in Jesus' name, amen. Church, say this with me. My righteousness, My righteousness is, a is a 10, and it's always a 10. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God that feels good to you. I mean, that is so freeing. That is so freeing because the enemy will have you walking around thinking that I'm just a three. Oh, everybody's more saved than me. I'm just a three. I mess up too much. I'm not good enough. No, there's only one level of righteousness and it is given to you by faith. Listen to what Hebrews 4, 4 through 16 says. It says this, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Listen to this. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Come on, church, confess this. Some of you need to get free today. Say this with me. He understands my weaknesses. Okay, so listen to what it says. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. But what does verse 16 say? It doesn't shut the door and say we're not good enough. Jesus did it without sinning. We do it with sinning. Now we can't have any of this righteousness. No, verse 16 opens up a wide door. And listen to what it says. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will find, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. 
Come on, I, I need everyone in here to be honest for a moment. Okay, I just told you that our righteousness was a 10, but how many of you have ever messed up and you were made to feel that your righteousness was like a three or a two or a five and a half? Can we be honest for a moment in here? The enemy made you feel like your righteousness wasn't that good anymore. But listen to this good news that we have. We have a wide open door. The, 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 the curtain has been rent from top to bottom. We are able to enter into the Holy of Holies. We are able to go into our Jesus Christ, our high priest. We're able to go to the throne of God boldly, and we can find grace, and we can find mercy there when we need it the most. Church, can you say the most? You need it the most after you've sinned. You need it the most when you're walking around feeling condemned. You need it the most when you feel like, you know what, I just can't get it right. I don't feel like God loves me as much uh, anymore because, you know, I just haven't been doing this or doing that. That's when you need it the most. And don't you ever feel like you can't go boldly to the throne of God and receive help when you need it the most. Let's go to Colossians now. Colossians chapter 1 verses 11 through 23. Father, we thank you for this truth that you're imparting to us, your sons and your daughters, that we might walk with our heads held high. Even after we fall, we can get up because you supply us with help. Listen to this. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. How much of it? All. Oh, listen to that again. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. Why, why, why? So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Church, say joy. joy. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you. Man, this is such good news. Did you know this was in your Bible? It is so good. Listen, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Remember I said how awesome of a king this is? I'm telling you the truth. I wish we will never have a king like this on earth until he comes to the earth to be our king, right? Because he's coming to be our king, right? And what I said was, wouldn't it be awesome if the president of the United States says, you know what? The White House looks nice. I want everybody's house in my country to look nice, right? I eat good. I want everybody eating good. Listen to what the Bible says about your king. He has enabled you to share. Church, can you say share? Yeah. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So an earthly representation of that would be like if the government sent trucks to all of our houses and said, pack up, pack up. We're tearing down everybody's house and just as big as the White House is, we're building those for everybody. Just as nice as uh, my kitchen is and just as much money as I have, I'm giving it to everybody. It makes no sense in the natural, but in the spiritual, it's what he is saying to us. Why? For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred. Church, can you say transferred? That's what I'm talking about, as if moving trucks were to come to your house and move you from where you are to where he wants you to be. He's transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who did what? Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So if he purchased your freedom, forgave your sins, had to die to do it, why would he not give you all things? And that's exactly what he's saying in verse 13 and 14. So let's talk about how supreme Christ is. Let's talk about how supreme Christ is. Verse 15 says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So when people saw Jesus in the natural what they were seeing was that which was invisible being made visible. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Church, say this with me. He is supreme, he is supreme. Over, all over all creation. creation. 
Let me ask you this. Is your house in his creation? Not a trick question. Is your house in his creation? Are you in his creation? Is your health in his creation? Is your family in his creation? Are your finances in his creation? So listen to this again. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over how much? All creation. So we take a moment now, God, and we say that we are not afraid. We are not nervous. We don't care what the world is coming to and what it looks like. We know that there's wars and rumors of wars. We know that there's earthquakes in, in diverse places. We know that there's pestilence in the land. We still say that you are supreme over all creation. You are supreme over all creation. Verse 16, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So listen, he's supreme over all creation, and he holds all creation together. Church, say this with me. Pastor, tell me more about Christ. Okay, here we go. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That peace, see, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. We've read all about those three things so far. Verse 21, this includes, man, this is good news. Woo, listen to this. If you kick your shoes off and dance and run around the church on this one, I wouldn't mind. I'll just get out of your way. Listen to this. This includes you who were once far away from God. Listen, to, it goes on to say something even worse. Listen, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Church, can you say, yet now? Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are the holy and blameless and you are holy and man, this is good. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's righteousness at level 10. Come on, you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without one single fault. So what that tells me is that righteousness is always a 10. There's nothing ever less than perfection in God, right? When you receive Jesus Christ as your savior, your righteousness is always on 10. Even when you fall, you can get up again and still be righteous. Did I just say that, God? Yes, even when you fall, if you were righteous when you were standing, you're going to be righteous when you hit the ground and you're going to be righteous when you stand back up. Why? Because righteousness in God is always a 10. The Bible says a righteous man can fall seven times and do what? Get back up again. It didn't say a righteous man will fall. He'll be unrighteous while he's on the ground. And then after a few moments, he can stand up and dust himself off, and then he'll be righteous again. Nope, you're righteous throughout the whole process because it's, man, because it's not our righteousness. It's his righteousness, right? If it's your righteousness, you're in trouble when you stand before God because if it's your righteousness, the Bible says that our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. 
That means we have no righteousness apart from God. Man, I'm preaching myself happy. We have no righteousness apart from God. None. It's always his son, his son's righteousness. And he says, I have clothed you with righteousness. How do we know that he's even willing to do that? Remember in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and they were naked and ashamed? What did God do for them? He covered them, didn't he? Something had to die, and he covered them. It's the same today. In order for us to receive righteousness, something had to die. Why? Because without blood, the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. So Jesus bled and died on our behalf. Come on, just love on him for a minute. He bled and died. Kimberly, you can come. He bled and died on our behalf, right, so that he could clothe us with, oh my goodness, so he can clothe us with his righteousness. You see, in the garden, it was an animal that bled and died, and they were covered with that skin, but it wasn't good enough, right? So in this New Testament, in this new revelation of God's love for you, he was the lamb, right? He was the spotless lamb of God that died for our sins so that we could be covered with what? His righteousness. Thank God that the curtain, that the veil was torn in half, saying this fabric is no good anymore. This fabric has to move. I want to be able to see my people. I want my people to be able to see me. I want to give them my righteousness. I want to spend eternity with them. I want them to be in my family. So listen, by faith, we are all blood relatives of Jesus Christ because he saved us with his precious blood. Amen? Amen. Let's finish this out. Verse 23. But you must continue to believe this. Listen, everything I said that was under the influence of the Spirit of God today, every verse that I read, every declaration that you made, listen, listen, listen. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Let's stand to our feet today. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. If you've got the faith to believe that, can you say it with me? It is well with my soul. And the beautiful thing about it is none of us did that for ourselves. You didn't make it well with your soul. God did. Through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, you can say, it is well with my soul. Father, I thank you for this word. I love you, God, and I thank you that you love us too. Father, thank you that there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What does this mean? If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have to walk around in shame anymore. You don't have to take off your robe of righteousness and feel naked again in front of God and in front of people. Listen to me. There are people in this world who will never let you forget your past. They will never let you, let you come out of shame, but have mercy on them. It's only the devil using them to discourage you and try to get you away from God. But don't you dare get away from God. Remember how you were when you were away from God? We used to all be far from God. We were his enemies. But through Jesus Christ, he has brought us close to him. And this is good news. Father, I thank you for the kingdom of God being inside of us. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that angels, ministering angels, would come and begin to minister to hearts today. Holy Spirit, come and begin to minister to hearts today. 
Is there anyone in this place right now who is not a son of God, who is not a daughter of God, but they're saying to themselves, wow, what good news is this? Are you telling me, are you telling me that, that he will forgive me of all of my sins and that God will see me just as righteous as his son, Jesus? Yes, but how? It's because Jesus came to adopt you into the family of God. And the way that you get in is by faith. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. It's the truth. This is the gospel truth that we were lost in sin and death and shame, but the kingdom of God came. Jesus came to this earth and John saw Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. We thank God for Jesus this morning. Lord, we thank God for you. Just lift your hands all over the building. Lord, we thank God for Jesus. Jesus, you are the way. You are the truth and you are the life. Jesus, you are the Son of God. You came to save us from our sins. And I declare now, Satan, you can't have one soul in here. You cannot have one soul in here. The truth has went out to set them free. Jesus, is there one today that you will welcome in your family? Is there one here today that will walk out of darkness into this marvelous light of the kingdom in which you have come, that, that you have come, that has came to this earth today? Father, is there one that you desire to save? Is there one you desire to set free for the first time? Could there be some that you desire to set free for the 12th time? But it doesn't matter how many times they've fallen. It doesn't matter how far away they've made a home away from you. And this next moment, God will be inviting people to come back to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the sacrifice of his son, you can come back to God. And there's not a power in hell that can keep you away from him. His love came after you. He was innocent, but he died for you. All you have to do is receive him by faith. So I ask you this. Listen, is there anyone in this crowd right now that if you laid your head down on your pillow tonight, that you would lay down with uncertainty, that you would not be able to say in faith that I will go to God when I die. I'm just not sure. Well, let's take all the guesswork out of it. Let's make it sure. Let's move your feet from sinking sand and let's put them on a rock, rock named Christ on which you can stand today. So listen, it's only a short walk. God came a long way to get you out of your sin. And now it's just a short walk to receive him as your savior. So if you need to be saved for the first time or maybe even say, you know what? I have backslidden and I have not been living for God like I used to. But since this door is open and I can come boldly to his throne when I need grace and in, in time of trouble, then pastor, I'm going to give my life back to God today. If that's you, I just ask you to come and meet me at this altar. Don't think about it. Don't overthink. Just walk. Just walk. Just walk into freedom. Just walk out of darkness. Just walk out of sin and allow Jesus Christ to be your Savior. There's no shame in this. There's no fear in this. I pray right now that you would feel as light as a feather as you move out of your seat and you come to Christ and say, Lord, I need you. Save me, God. Save my soul. And he will in no wise cast you out. He will not refuse you. He will save your soul today. So is there one? who will say, today is the day I will make Jesus my Lord. I will serve him. I will love him. I will obey him. I'm asking to be in the kingdom of God. It's all by faith. Listen, it's all by faith. You don't have to clean yourself up. You can't. Jesus already did it. You just have to believe that he died on the cross for your sins. Is there one today? Leave your sin behind. Leave darkness behind. Hell is not your portion. Hell is not your portion. Jesus died so that you might enter 
the kingdom of heaven. Praise God for this one. Is there anyone else? Come on, faith is being stirred up right now. It's all about faith. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the people that are watching. It's about Jesus. Will you come down this morning? Will you say, Lord, if you're giving away righteousness at the level of 10, and right now I can admit that I've been living in sin, but you're willing to transfer me out of darkness into the kingdom of light, then I will do just that. I will come in faith and say, Jesus, save me. Now listen, maybe you've already been saved, but you're believing for God to fill you with his Holy Spirit, with evidence. If that's you, I want you to come now as well. You're already saved, but you need power. You need power. If you have that desire that God would fill you with his Holy Spirit, come. It's just as easy as getting saved. It really is. Because the Bible says that just like salvation is a gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift as well. And he will give it to all who believe and all who ask. Amen? Amen. So if that's you, you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You want rivers of living water to live on the inside of you and wash away sin and wash away darkness. And you've got a problem with, you're saved, but you got a problem with cussing still. You're saved, but you got some lust issues still. You're saved, but you don't, you feel like there's some darkness that's still trying to surround you and you want to be filled with light. I ask you to come to this altar now so God might give you that gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That same John that said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that same John says this, I baptize with water, but there's one greater than me that's coming, whose shoes I am not uh, worthy to, to tie, and he will baptize you with what? Fire. So that's what we're believing for, that fire baptism. If you're down here, just lift your hands. If you're down at this altar, just lift your hands. I've already gave you the gospel. I gave you the message of faith. I've gave you the message of hope that Jesus Christ died for you to forgive you of your sins. Now I just need you to pray this prayer as you confess this. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life in its fullness to you. I give you my death so that I can have your life. Forgive me of all of my sins and my trespasses. I believe that Yeshua, Jesus Christ, is the Son of God. I believe that he walked this earth in the flesh. I believe that he was crucified on a cross for my sins. And I believe after three days, he rose from the grave with all power and all glory. I declare out of my mouth, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that he is my savior. I am now saved, set free, set apart, born again, the righteousness of God, redeemed and free. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give God some praise this morning. Were you down here for salvation or the Holy Spirit? Okay, okay, all right. So you've already given your life to God then? Just lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, she says she came down for the 